Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. And I'm joined by the main man, Josh Gilbert. Josh, how are you and your little friend doing? <laughs> me and uh, me and the old slug are doing pretty well, Sam. Thanks. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. For, for those that are listening on the podcast, uh, you're going to have to click the YouTube link to understand what I'm on about here. And for those that are watching on YouTube, you've got to give Josh a like, a share, and subscribe for his uh, moustache, which is, of course, in in aid of charity, right, Josh? Uh, it absolutely is. There's no chance I'd be growing anything <laughs> on my face if it wasn't in the aid uh, of charity. So, yeah, Movember uh, has brought out the uh, the first bits of facial hair uh, that have uh, sort of stayed really on uh, on my face for for longer than a few days in in sort of 28 years and and do you know what i think i'm surprising a few people we're uh, we're 8 days in and i'm getting a lot of people in the office saying didn't expect that so no same i'd know. be in that camp i didn't think i thought it would be a case i saw on on social media you were doing it i thought it would be mm. we'd be on november the 20th and there would be like <laughs> a, a bit of stubble but you know fair play yeah. it's what had a choice yeah, I mean, it's it's getting there. So, I mean, if you want to continue to see me look silly and, yes. you know, if you just think it's funny, then, you know, I think we're going to pop a little link in the bio. So, you know, give me a few quid if you fancy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Link will be in the, in the bio or the comments, one or the other. Uh, so do check that out. Um, the title gives it away every week, but we're going to talk about Disney. We'll talk about Uber and wait for it. Uh, yes, you read correctly. Orange juice. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, want to understand a bit more about, you know, you know, how much my orange juice is costing me in the morning. So this is a nice little subject that we're we're sort of working on here today and and earnings as well. Two sort of big names really left. One's already reported, one left to report out of it all. But overall, a good earning season so far. Uh, I think the number is about 82 percent beats um, so far. So pretty good. And, and probably one of the reasons why we've seen. Um, a pretty strong performance from the S&P 500 in the last uh, week or so. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. In the 80% of, of beats, which is the best in, I think, six or so quarters. So really good. So far, obviously, a very, very good last week for the S&P 500. Uh, and as of yesterday, it had risen for the seventh straight day in a row. And listen to this stat just before we get into Disney. There have been two times in the past 40 years when the S&P 500 rose for seven straight days following a hundred day low the first was march the 20th 2003 which marked the end of the bear market the other was yesterday um so hopefully that gives the bull something to cling on to um, up. but uh yeah whether that will be the case or not we'll have to wait and see uh so first up then disney 
um near multi-year lows i mean it could really do with with some good news and sometimes stocks like this work where if you do get a good earnings report it can mark the low i mean i was just looking at the chart yesterday but also have been watching it for a while and it's you know it is up off its low that we had from the year and in fact you know give or take it's about seven percent off the yearly low the key level uh that i'm really keeping an eye on is around 85 86 which is also the low that we had from december last year above there things look better however we need some good news for that to happen um but what are you what are we keeping an eye on from this report josh yeah and it's a good point you make in terms of you know that good report being that sort of catalyst to maybe turn fortunes around i think over the last 12 months we've seen it with meta we saw it with netflix as well just it, it goes a really long way and and when you're often seeing you know stocks that as you say with disney near multi-year lows valuation being crushed significantly you know if if you have a good beat then you know you're looking at double digit returns usually in trade afterwards so let's see but it has been a really difficult period for the old house of mouse but i think we could see a little bit of positivity coming through with uh, with this report. We're looking at a return in subscriber growth. That's really important. This is one of the key numbers for for Disney, as it is with with sort of Netflix. Um, subscriber growth fell last quarter, and, and I don't think many investors were hoping to see that that early on in Disney Plus's journey. You know, we had the issues that Netflix had, but again, that's a business that has been around for many, many years. But also some good news. Earnings are set to see growth for the first time in four quarters. Notably, though, that is coming off what is a pretty low year-over-year comparison, but still uh, growth. We will take that. Um, but as I say, the, the key number here is subscribers. I think that, you know, Disney has been promising for years that Disney Plus uh is going to be profitable by 2024. It's the number, um, or it's the it's the it's the, the date that they've spoken about on conference calls, on earnings calls. You know, every time I've sort of listened to them, so I think commentary around that trajectory will be really in focus. Are they going to make it? Are they going to ultimately be profitable for that segment of the business by 2024? Uh, we've also got upcoming Disney Plus price increases. That should be a good boost in terms of average revenue per user and also should help drive that profitability that I was sort of talking about there. So that's not going to come into fruition this quarter, but something to keep an eye on for next quarter that could feed into forecasts after uh, the report is released. Outside of streaming, content is going to be under pressure, sort of the film side of it. Uh, some underwhelming performances in box office from the likes of Indiana Jones, you know, some sort of performances that haven't done very well there. They've obviously come under pressure from that sort of writer's strike in, in sort of Hollywood as well. So, you know, big impact there over the last sort of couple of months. And in, in sort of some other news, Disney is, is sort of mixing it up at the top, bringing, bringing in a new CFO, Hugh Johnston. He's from PepsiCo. Um, it's a bit of a big and, and a bold move, to be honest. It's the first time they're actually bringing in an outsider to an executive position like this for, for sort of decades. They haven't done it since the 90s. So a big move, and it, it sort of comes at a time uh, which is a critical stage, you know, for the business because it's obviously struggling, as we said, multi-year sort of lows. It's got a lot of uncertainty about sort of the future, especially in its entertainment businesses. It's selling off some parts of, of the business. But I think a fresh perspective may do the company some good. You know, they're, they're needing to go into efficiency mode. That's why Bob Iger came back to the helm. And he's clearly, you know, seeked out Hugh Johnston um, to come in as CFO to sort of tighten the ship there. But 
you know, the, the Disney culture is extremely strong. So there's no doubt that he'll have a fair amount of work to do. A little bit back towards that valuation that I mentioned at the top there. It's going to start to look attractive for investors with a forward PE of around about 18 times. But I think you need to see, you know, that that catalyst first, I think, before investors are going to sort of really dive in it, before they sort of pull the trigger, they want some good news. And as we know, um, when you've had so much bad news, good news goes a long way. Um, so as I say, looking, you know, undervalued at these levels, but it's got those risks in there, but it's really hard to ride off uh, a business like Disney. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I also think it's a good point, again, to make about the less bad news can be good news. I mean, the market has, has lived off that for the last few years. Uh, just to reiterate, sort of from a technical point of view, if, if Disney can climb above 85, 86 bucks a share, uh, I think that would be a pretty good win for the Bulls. Uh, you'd need a good earnings or less bad earnings report for that to happen. I think if not, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise to see us back down to the low of the year. Uh, as always, with an earnings report, it's worth having a little bit of patience. Don't feel like you need to jump in before that or straight away after as well. Next up for us, then we'll take a trip down to Uber. Pun intended, not a great pun, but we'll keep it moving um, while we wait. Uh, up is Uber then, uh, and they reported yesterday on Tuesday before the market opened. Uh, so the market therefore had time to sort of digest that and uh, has reacted since. How has Wall Street reacted uh, uh, and viewed the report? Well, they're driving their way to success at the moment, <laughs> and they are they are really delivering as well. Um, oh. A second uh, consecutive profitable quarter. Demands for rides and delivery are, are sort of staying, you know, really in the fast lane at the moment. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's enough. Let's stop it. But no, look, a good, a really good quarter. Um, as I say, really the the key sort of headline there is second consecutive profitable quarter. That's really key, um, and we'll get on to why that is key in a moment. But some numbers: overall cri- uh, trips grew by twenty five percent. Gross bookings reached thirty five billion dollars, up twenty one percent year over year. Uh, some pretty solid numbers there. Uh, the gross bookings growth came from both mobility and delivery. Uh, and that comes from the company executing on its plans for growth in international markets and importantly, and really importantly, continued expansion of Uber One. For those that don't know what Uber One is, it's its subscription service. Here in Australia, you pay $10 a month, you get free delivery, cheaper rides, et cetera, et cetera. But again, recurring revenue. Lots of businesses now are really aiming for that model. You know, we've seen it from the likes of Meta launching Verified. You've got X doing the same thing. We spoke about Apple, was it last week or the week before? And their um, sort of services based now with with billions of, um, you know, paying subscribers. So, you know, really recurring revenue is what companies are focusing on at the moment. And it's going to be really key. That has just ticked over to 15 million members. So a big number, um, something that is, is obviously helped driving profitability because, you know, margins are super high. The rideshare business continued to expand faster than what most of Wall Street expected. This is thanks to improvements in driver supply and trip growth. We're seeing back to school rides coming in, corporate travels coming back. Um, and also Uber have actually put in some new offerings as well. Lots of chat about this. Uh, actually, in my office over the last sort of couple of days, we had a conversation about how this might actually affect um 
you know, Uber drivers in future because they've partnered with Alphabet's uh, Waymo. So it's actually their um, self or self-driving autonomous vehicles segment of the of the business. And it's providing Ubers, basically, uh, autonomous vehicles on its app. And that starts in Phoenix. So basically, if you order an Uber, it may turn out to be it's an autonomous vehicle. There's nobody driving. It's a driverless vehicle, potentially. That has the potential to obviously, you know, in two ways, significantly improve uber's margins for one because they obviously don't have to to pay a driver uh but also too it has the you know impact to obviously significantly affect lots of um you know uber employees across the globe so something to keep an eye on there because you know we know that headcount is a huge part uh of um you know operating expenses for businesses and and one that is usually the first to go as we saw when companies went into efficiency mode this year um and that is the reason that analysts like this stock i think and we'll get onto that again in a second um also it's advertising business again something to really look at it's ramping up advertising base grew by 70 percent from a year ago that's a massive number again great margins on this that is um really helping um improve margins in its delivery segment as well so again really gone into focusing on profitability at the moment and it's going a long way great products that are driving um profitability there a couple of catalysts i think that uber shareholders should keep an eye on i mentioned at the start two consecutive quarters of profitability get four of those and you can get an S&P 500 inclusion. That's going to yeah. be pretty key. It's uh, been a boost in recent times for the likes of Palantir and for the likes of Airbnb as well. Secondly, I'm going to be watching for a buyback program. Um, buyback programs are the the craze of Wall Street. Apple is the biggest and the best at it. They buy back in the billions. Free cash flow for the quarter was 905 million, well above estimates of the 650 million analysts expected. And the reason I expect to see a buyback program is because of that, because we've got improving free cash flow. Um, and it makes the next few quarters the right time to sort of implement that. And we also heard in the quarter that management plans to update investors on their capital allocation strategy next quarter. So keep an eye out for that. That is usually met with some optimism from investors. And as I say, Wall Street loves Uber right now. 51 ratings on the stock and 49 of those are buy ratings. And that is because this stock is really focused on margins and growing profitability. Um, and it's it's moving in the right direction. We, it absolutely is. Uh, I was looking at this on Monday. Uh, we did the webinar with Ben Laver for club members. And um, just after the IPO back in 19, it sort of reached a high around 47.50. Uh, and then for the last, you have to say, since the back end of 2021 it's been resistance it was resistance in october november september of that year and then again uh earlier this this year in july and then september and then last week as well and it's really knocking on the door and the good earnings report has sent us higher than that uh, so that's good i think uber investors will be happy i think the next sort of level to keep a, a watch on short term anyway will be 52 53 dollars a share before you then talk about 61 62s which is near where the all-time high is so yeah investors are, are are pretty happy um i actually saw um someone ordering an uber as they left the gym the other day so i asked him do you even lift bro little uh little pun for the americans out there uh let's move on very quickly um and before we we talk specifically about orange juice i want to know what your your breakfast order would be like if you're let's say you're 
on holiday in a hot country. You come down in the morning. You got a choice of anything you want. What are you, what are you having? If I had the choice at any breakfast anything. ever, it would just be an English breakfast. Got a bit yeah. nice. A nice greasy fry. You don't really get them here. Um, you know, fair place to Australia, health, wealth, very focused on, you know, you know, like, you know, poached eggs on toast with avocado. A lot of avocado. Yeah, Yeah, love avocado here. But when I come home, when I go back to the UK every now and again, that's the first place I'm usually heading towards. It's it's a greasy spoon. I'm getting fried bread. I'm getting it all. And I miss that. Absolutely. And usually... With with a glass of apple juices, uh, orange juice as well. What about you? What's what are you? What are you I, I'm uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go full English as well. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if I was in a really hot country, then I I might just go for like a fruit salad kind of thing because mm-hmm. yeah, if you're hot, last thing you want is you know two thousand calories on your plate. But and I can see why <laughs> the Aussies, if they care about their health that much, won't have the English breakfast. But yeah, you can't beat it. Proper greasy fryer. Oh. Love it. It's the best. Yeah, it's exactly what yeah. I'd have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, that we, we're going to talk about orange juice now, but just in, in broadly, it sort of sits in that commodity section, which is obviously an interesting uh, sort of category, I always think, to put to put orange juice in. But 2022 was, was the year of commodities. We spoke about it a lot on the podcast. It dominated, did really, really well. It was where most... Uh, investors sort of found haven um, and we spoke about gold last week as well but you know what are we seeing here with some of those maybe less well recognized commodities such as orange juice given they have such a big impact on our daily life what's going on well yeah i mean it's been not just been an interesting year it's been an interesting couple of years for, for commodities and the commodity basket is is roughly down year to date or as of friday's close just under seven percent uh if you compare that you know elsewhere gold Obviously, a commodity itself is up 9%. The Dow Jones, the S&P and NASDAQ, 2 13 and 28% respectively. So you can sort of see the differences there. Um, so many have faced a downward trend, individual commodities, obviously gold not being one of them. But a few uh, less known ones have actually done pretty well and uh, uh, staged really good comebacks. You know, some of those to keep an eye on, I think, or at least a note, cocoa, uh, has surged 60%, uh, sugar up 45%, uranium, which of course has been in the news recently, has been uh, on a bit of a tear, uh, that's up 35%. Uh, but orange juice has, has been on uh, you know, a real rise this year and at one point it over doubled its previous all-time high, it was, was pushing up 100%, uh, it pushed through the four dollar per pound mark uh, and reaching obviously as i said nearly double that previous all-time high that it had it's had a little fall from grace recently it's found a bit of support um but uh yeah one to really keep an eye on i guess reasons behind it well supply disruption obviously when we talk about commodities you always have to say supply and demand but it's because it's one of the main movers uh and people think it could worsen with the intensifying uh, el nino which has no sort of quick fix with inventories uh, and and get this, orange trees take between four and fifteen years to mature. So next time you have that lovely glass of orange juice, it's uh, it's taken a while to get there. Um, the the price surge that we we've, we've seen this year has been really, as I mentioned, sort of driven by a significant drop in supplies from the major producers, and they are Brazil, they are Mexico, uh, and United States. So Brazil by far leading the way there, 70% of total orange juice production, Mexico 11%, 
and the United States at six. They've all been hit hard by adverse weather conditions, which of course don't help, uh, and the spread of a, a, a disease, the citrus greening disease, which I guess for orange juice producers is uh, their kryptonite. Uh, the global supply of orange juice, therefore, has then shrunk by about 7%. Or 1.5 million tons, with US production uh, plummeting by a third. So that lack of supply, while demand is pretty much the same, has obviously led to the price of orange juice going higher. And it's also worth noting that it's a pretty liquid market. You know, if you were to go and trade it now, there's like a three-point spread. You know, across the board because of the illiquidity. However, you know, if you've been in it for a long, the long term, or you know, the last few months, you've been very well rewarded. Of course, you have. Um, the supply crunch, we call it, occurred at a time when overall demand, as I mentioned, has sort of remained relatively stable. You know, weakness in traditional markets like Europe and US has been upset by robust growth in emerging markets, particularly in china and the major orange juice producers as we mentioned before number one and two brazil and mexico um and with those inventories down in in recent years really recent years there's really not too much room to to maneuver uh, in the face of further disruption so you know as an investor you're thinking okay well the conditions are are set for maybe a further move to the upside however we've come so far can it continue to go again it may be a little bit illiquid so this is just a shout out for those that feel like they're getting a bit of FOMO you don't have to get involved if you've never looked at orange juice before you don't have to trade it uh but of course if you if you have been monitoring the situation it's it's done very well this year and I have to say looking at the chart it's actually behaved pretty technically when it breaks previous highs it, it respects re- relatively well uh as well so yeah interesting um we've got a Toro sort of an equal weight basket of nine popular breakfast items and that has surged 25 percent this year uh in contrast to the three percent four percent fall that we saw in the bloomberg commodity index uh the leaders then of the breakfast commodity charge obviously orange juice as we mentioned cocoa and sugar the 16 45 percent oats is up at 15 percent pork is 15 percent uh whereas we've seen declines in wheat at 25 percent milk minus 10 coffee minus four and tea minus two percent so overall those sort of breakfast commodities have have done pretty well orange juice by far leading the way conditions may be set for a further move to the upside but it is worth saying it has you know as of last sort of yet of yesterday's trade is about 15 16 percent off the high uh three three nine a very key level where if it's going to find support, it's going to from there. But uh, I thought it was quite an interesting story. Um, and next time you have your orange juice for everyone listening at home, just think how long it's taken to get there and the struggles this year for you to have it. Yeah. And that, that hundred percent increase. I wonder if we're seeing it on the shelves, you know, is the, is it, is it costing you more than, you know, if so you, you nipping down to the supermarket and realizing it's costing you four bucks instead of two bucks. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it's certainly expensive here in Australia. I know that for sure. Yeah, it is. And actually, I was just, uh, I saw someone yesterday talking about the the price of coffee. And I'm just looking at it on the chart on eToro. And, and 171, 172 is a really, really key level. Um, and just from the low of the year, it's already up 20%. Yes, as we mentioned, it's, it's relatively uh, flat for the year now after a couple of good days but that is a really important level there 171 for coffee we'll talk about that next week i'm sure because above there 
it's got a bit of room to go uh, to up to 200 190 anyway one to watch um but please if you have got this far like share subscribe feel free if you've got a spare couple of quid dollars euros to donate to the great cause that josh is uh growing his slug for um it'd be much appreciated we'll be back soon of course josh as usual thank you very much it's been a pleasure everyone see you next week take care guys you have been listening to digest and invest by etoro for more information use etoro.com